We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Uh, today, we have a little best of 2022 of this show. Uh, obviously, the Monday after Christmas is not the biggest podcast day. Plus, with all the holiday travel, didn't want to record a, a full episode. So um, just doing a little little compilation. I, I reached out to our Patreon group, had them suggest some episodes that were some of their favorites, pulled some clips from that. Um, so wanted to put something together. Uh, with that, I do want to, again, the biggest of shout outs to our Patreon group this year for supporting the show, uh, helping keep this thing going, especially our big chilled producer level patrons, Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, Chris Mikoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBeau, and Classic Stadium Fire. Biggest of thanks to them this year and all of the patrons for supporting the show. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you want to start voting on movies for the show to cover, getting input in episodes like this and our top five episodes, that's at patreon.com slash bigscreensports. Um, biggest thanks to everyone who has listened, subscribed, rated, reviewed, told anybody about it, uh, tweeted at the show on on Twitter. That's at big underscore screen sport or my, my personal Twitter at Kyle Banduho. Um, I'm deeply grateful. I know a lot of my regular uh, guests or co-hosts, I should say, like Caroline, Alex, they're all deeply grateful as well. And you'll be hearing from quite a few of them uh, in these upcoming clips. But uh, happiest of holidays to everyone. Hope everyone in, enjoys this little this little compilation. Um, I did include anything recent, or at least too recent, like last month. I, although I, I will say, you know, the, the Die Hard episode from two weeks ago, uh, definitely the best of, of this year. But yeah, n- nothing in there from that. So these are some older ones. Um, if you find you haven't listened to any of these, go back, take a listen. Uh, every you know Everything on this show is pretty evergreen. Um, so with that, let's, let's get into uh, our, our first clip in the, in the best of 2022 here on Big Screen Sports. 
I've struggled with how to put these together, what to put first. Uh, this, this one will be, it's the earliest episode of, of these little clips. Um, this one was a long time coming. It's me and Alex McDaniel talking Hot Rod. No one knows Hot Rod like Alex does. So this is a, a little clip of us talking about the best scenes from Hot Rod. Let's let's go into best scenes. I You could argue that there's something in every single scene in this movie, every single set piece that is funny. And that's why I compiled a list of funniest bits for later in it. But I, I just tried to, I tried to just pick and choose the actual scenes that that were funny. I I go to the opening scene that we talked about with him, you know, doing the jump, falling, like like acting like a ragdoll and then puking. I it's it's difficult to open a comedy. It's like what do you do? Yes. You have to you you have to make people laugh really quickly. Like you have to set the tone, and this sets the tone for the movie in, in a ridiculous sense of, okay, this is what this character's all about. We're going to get a lot of these crashing and burning. He's a terrible stunt man. And you like the, the, the puke and then the cut to credits I thought is an, a great shock value. Oh, I know. It's such a wonderful, like cold open type way to do it, you know, um, in like a PG 13 way. It's not exactly the office. It's a little grosser, but I compare it to, um, Kevin's chili, you know, the Kevin's chili. And I've been rewatching the office to be fair. So that's fresh on the brain, but it's the same thing where it's just like, Oh my God, it's a disaster. And then just wonderful timing cut right when it's supposed to. And then you, you know, go to this great song and everything, but it's hard to do a best scene in this movie. There are so many that I love. Cool beans is always going to be one of my favorites. I think it's brilliant. They almost cut that scene actually because it was just a straight scene of them saying cool beans in a weird way to each other. And then Andy and Yorma, I think, yes, Andy and Yorma decided to edit it themselves and show Akiva and be like, look, I think this would be funny. And they're the ones who came up with this sort of like pseudo rap thing, the cool beans, it's really funny. And they added that back in. I think that's great. What do you think about the pool jump? When Denise, I... I love the character of Denise because Denise kind of keeps it grounded. She's the most yep. normal person in the movie. She's kind of like our mm-hmm. avatar. I also, mm-hmm. if you're just looking at the character in a realistic sense, she's definitely never been treated well by any person she's ever dated ever. Which like, who among us? <laughs> <laughs> she's so relatable in that way. No, I love the pool jump scene. I love he goes straight down. Like it's not even a messy kind of jumps and then it sort of skitters about the water. No, he literally dives straight down in the water. I think it's great. Um, and that's also just a good thing because you you meet the crew and you see like Danny McBride and Bill and that guy who's like, I want to be part of your crew. And he does the whole dance. Richardson. Thing and, yes. And it's, yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> and poor, And that's when we really get to see the sweetness of Rod because obviously- to this point, we see he's just kind of, you know, he's a guy who's like, he believes in himself. He wants to believe in himself, but deep down, he knows he's not good at what he does. That scene shows you that for the first time. He says, please, God, don't let me embarrass myself. He knows this is not going to go well. He's praying to his spirit animals, literally. Good luck. Don't worry, Denise. I've done this before.
it's like I think that's what endears you to the movie in the first part. You're like, okay, he gets it. He's not just some, you know, if Will Ferrell had played that, I don't think you would have had the sweetness. You would have had an oblivious guy who thinks he's really great. Yeah. And would just write off all his failures as, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. It's your fault. It's your fault. Andy Samberg cannot play a guy like that. He's incapable. He's yeah. always going to be the sweetheart. So I love that. I think it's a good one. I think the montage of party gigs might be the hardest. I don't know if it's the best scene, <laughs> but it's the hardest I've lapped him rot <laughs> on fire while Bill Hader yes. is just eating. And is the just the whole montage when when he's doing the that he's locked in the in the water tank and McBride yes. has to shoot the lock. Like I was I mean, I was downstairs by myself rolling around laughing. <laughs> it's so good. That's a great montage. And he's like getting beaten with a stick. And yeah, that's wonderful. I love anything with his stepdad. I love the pool scene is great. And what's a minor, a minor thing. Like my favorite lines are the ones that you almost don't hear. So when the pool scene starts, you see Danny McBride and Bill Hader standing in front of the pool. And it's one of those, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. But Bill says to Danny, pools are perfect for holding water. (laughs) And it kills me every time. I love it. It's just fantastic. I mean, I don't know. It's, um, I don't think there's one really that stands out. I, I also... Will Arnett deserves a lot of credit for this movie anyway, because I think he's a he's a great character. He shot all of his scenes in, I think, three or four days. He had the stomach flu the entire time. Like, he was sick the whole time. So every thing you see him in, you can almost see it on him, where he just kind of looks a little exhausted, but I think it works for his character. So, of course, like the, babe, wait, babe, no. And then the whole part where they're in the restaurant, and he's just playing Will Arnett, because that's what he does best, just playing himself. And he's like three flaming Dr. Peppers. <laughs> he sees his friend Sullivan. He's like, Sully. So it's just so good. I think, Holy I don't know. shit, is that Sullivan? Is that Sullivan? <laughs> it's just the Sully. most authentic bro dickhead thing ever. It's I know. perfect. And then, of course, like he drives a Corvette. And later you see Rod doing push-ups. It's like, you know what car is really overrated? Corvette. <laughs> and what's his face? His brother is like, oh, like what? so-and-so drives oh does he had noticed it's so good it's so good we can't not mention the the acid the the piece of metal in the in the side of the head of the bill Hader's acid trip which is one hater it's it's funny he's doing this little like the side gig thing like you mentioned the thing the line about the pool eating during the party montage and then just randomly this thing of like hey man will you drive me to the hospital and then that whole car ride a hater starting like 120 miles an hour everything he says just kills me hey rod thanks a lot ah! hey buddy how's it going dave what happened to your eye this yeah is it really noticeable yeah oh man it's totally serendipitous um well, I got off work early, and uh, you know my buddy Derek? Well, he was like, I've got this acid, but I can't do it. And I was all like, well, I'll do it. So I did it. And uh, by the time I got on my banana board, man, I was I was tripping balls pretty hard. Man. I know. What does he say about, and I should like have this written down, what, like, your face looks like a mountain or something? It's really good. When he I can't remember what it is. the uh, when, when he says, "Man, we just ran over a small bus." <laughs> <laughs> Hater's just wonderful in general. I was 
like side note, I guess it was like a week and a half ago. I was not feeling great. I had COVID. So that probably had something to do with it. And I was kind of out of ideas for what to binge on TV because I kind of binged all my stuff. I watched all my movies and I just YouTube and I've done this before. It wasn't the first time. I just went on YouTube and looked up every time Hater breaks character on SNL. No, it's and one found, of my favorites. <laughs> I found like a 30 minute clip and I just died. I watched it the whole time. He's so wonderful. I'm low-key in love with him. I call him sneaky hot. Here's another thing that might get me hate on Twitter. But if you saw Trainwreck, and everyone should, if you haven't, he's sneaky hot. Like he's a hot guy. You just don't realize it until you see Trainwreck. So I love Bill Hader so, so much. He's wonderful. I will see anything he's in. He is absolutely perfect. Instead of picking a best scene in this movie, if you had to show, pick one scene from this movie to make someone laugh, like they, they're (laughs) like, I'm going to sell you on Hot Rod. I'm going to pick one scene. And I guess let's just eliminate the bus jump because I think it's the longest scene of the entire movie, like the last bus jump, um, that which is which is excellent. But anything else, I think every scene in this movie is like a max of uh, three minutes. It would either be, well, it depends on who I'm pitching it to. I, I try to fit things to people's personalities. It would either be the open with the breaking of the legs. Cause I just think that's so good. Or it would be cool beans because I think that's just really funny. Or it would be the, the falling in the woods. Like, I think any of those, those are the ones that sold me on it. And so I think like, and those are better if you have no context, if you're telling it, like, if you're not really explaining it to someone, you're like, I want you to watch this movie. What's it about? Well, I don't want to tell you, but I'm going to show you <laughs> this, these two jokers saying cool beans at each other in like a pseudo rap montage. Then I think they could buy into it. Going to follow that up with one with the entire band back together. This was in rom-com month. We, we wrapped the month with Palm Springs. Uh, just just a classic. It's me, it's Alex, Caroline Darney, Mike Golick Jr. Uh, talking about, of course, what we would do if we were stuck in a time loop. The, the question that we, we have to discuss before we get into the movie itself, it's the thing that this movie makes you ponder the entire time you're in it, is what are you doing if you're stuck in this time loop at this wedding? Um, so I, I wanted to wanted to just gauge, I'm sure everyone gives thought, I want to do a caveat that like, Alex, you and I, we can just say up front, we would we would go fly and go see our kids, you know, all the time. Sure. We, would, we, would, we would go hop out on a flight. <laughs> get, that out, get all that nonsense out in the front. Yeah, so blah, yeah. Blah. Have to just, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. But, you know, there listen, not an ideal situation to be stuck in a time loop. Doesn't seem doesn't seem like the best. A lot of drawbacks. The one thing yeah. is you're in Palm Springs, city with what what I've heard is a fairly nice small airport, probably easy to catch a flight. You have the full act, you basically have your full credit limit every single day to do whatever you want to do. So Mike, I, you look very excited, Mike. I want to, I want to go to you first. You're stuck in a time loop. What, how are you spending this time? That's the thing. I, I am going to go everywhere and do everything. Like if you're really at this point and they do a good job at kind of hinting that because they basically sort of cliff notes, the entire groundhogs day movie to make sure like, Hey, we understand conceptually is the same. I did all the suicides. Like I did all that different stuff in here that you would associate with that. But like we even getting it to it uh, sort of at the end with her, it's like you have time to, I've always said like the regret in life is you only can, you know, once you go down a certain path, 
it becomes a lot harder to do everything you've ever been interested in. College is the same way. You go and can sometimes get one, maybe two degrees, like depending on how you stick around, you've got time for all of it now. So again, if I'm stuck here, there is certainly a level of dread that comes with that. But then once you settle in and sort of give in to, you know, the limitless nature of your universe, that's like, all right, I may as well get every experience possible. All right. I have a follow-up question though, Mike. As so I know you love weddings. Are you stoked that your time looped at a wedding? Oh, absolutely. Now, like, like if you <laughs> default to staying in Palm Springs, are you stoked that that situation is like your one of your favorite events? And, and I, I always joke like I, I'm getting the chance to officiate my sister's wedding coming up in April because I've done everything else humanly possible in the wedding so now for this one like i'd have played every instrument in the band i would have probably <laughs> killed the guy who was officiating the wedding and done it myself <laughs> and all that because again he'll be back i know pain is real on this but you know like the instantaneous nature of it, he'll come, come back tomorrow so i'd have done i'd have done everything in that wedding i would have filled every role it would have been outstanding caroline you're stuck in this time loop what's the move how often do you go to the wedding actually that's what i want to ask they, you yeah too. i mean that's like Depends on what my role adjacent is. So if I'm like Andy Samberg, if I'm Niles and I'm like a kind of adjacent, I think I go more frequently than if I'm Sarah who just slept with the groom <laughs> and like <laughs> has family drama. Like, I think that plays into it. Um, it looked like a pretty fun wedding. I'm not gonna lie. I thought, like, it looked like a good time. Um, I love peter gallagher like i need to get that out up front like we talked last uh, for this set it up one about how much i love sleepless in not sleepless in seattle while you're sleeping sleepless in seattle is fine it's no while you're sleeping but <laughs> there's something about peter gallagher like and i also don't know if anyone watches zoe's extraordinary playlist like, yes well, obviously yes oh my god peter gallagher i just love him so much <laughs> so like <laughs> if i get to hang out with peter gallagher like i'm gonna also take a chance to hang out with peter gallagher um, oh my god I think the whole thing also, the dynamic shifted or we don't get to see a lot of it where it's just Andy on his own. We don't know how much of it is Andy on his own because then he also introduces J.K. Simmons, which is chef's kiss, beautiful, shows up every few days and hunts him. Um, And then obviously adding in Christina Million and is that right? Yeah. I'm I'm like now in my head, I'm thinking about the singer. Um, but also great. Christina Milian, also great. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of bangers too. in the early 2000s. Definitely come to. But like, I, I guess I'm trying to say is like, if you have someone to pal around with, I think that also changes the dynamic. But I absolutely love that you remember what you did from each day. So like when she learned physics, she didn't forget everything that she learned the first 24 hours that she was studying, that it was, it compounds. So like I'm with Mike, like, you know, do I have time to like go to Paris? Like it's probably going to be close and I'll be real tired. And like, if you fall asleep on the plane, are you toast? You know what I mean? Like there's a reset if you take a nap. Like, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Like you could do, like, I've always wanted to go to Japan. You're on the West coast. Like, Hey, let's give that a try. But like, imagine you get like you're 12 hours into the flight and you doze off real quick and you wake up and Misty's like shaving her legs in front of you. It's like, fuck. Damn it. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, you know, like I love that they went flying, obviously like that's Mm -hmm. the thing. I just, I think that there's, there's so much. I don't know that I would drink. I don't, maybe I would drink every day. I don't know. Would I drink every day? I don't know. 
Oh, hell yeah. Yeah? I, I also <laughs> just realized... over, right? Yeah, because no. you can't be hungover. Oh, that is a good question. So you get to take all of the mental capital from the day before, but none of the physical damage. It's, yeah. You're like a video game character. Yeah. 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 I've also, I, I was kind of wondering, I, I would assume it is however they woke up feeling that morning too. So like... It, the bummer okay. would be if you, if if Niles got hammered the night before. <laughs> you just wake up, up on golf every day. Hangover yeah. every single time, which would ex- explain the beers by the pool every day. I do enjoy the also, fact that this has essentially become we would live out Tim McGraw's live while you were like you were dying. Like, <laughs> that's essentially what this becomes. Is like, oh yeah, I'd get on a I'd get on a bull and I'd do all this crazy shit because nothing's real. I would one hundred percent learn a dance like they did though, because that was awesome. Yeah, that, I mean that's one of my favorite oh. parts of the movie, just in that in that <laughs> montage. Alex, what's your go-to if you're stuck in a time loop? I mean, I think it would be something different every day. I think I would definitely one of those days would be like flight to Memphis, spend some time on Beale Street. Last thing I'd do is drive the hour and a half to Oxford and eat chicken on a stick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I would make it a point to kind of do a little bit of everything, but. You know, we said earlier, and I'm not saying it's untrue when it comes to like, of course, we'd be with our kids, but like, you know, my kids at the age now, he's so much fun and we go on adventures all the time. And so I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, what would be like a perfect day that we've had that I'd be fine living forever because he's fun now, you know, he's not in diapers anymore. And so I don't know. I think the the hard thing is, so, you know, the director and even Andy said this about the movie, we're supposed to believe that by the time he meets um, Sarah, he's been in that time loop for 40 years. So this isn't just like, he's been doing it for a few months. Like, can you imagine 40 years stuck in the same day? I think that's the problem. You you would hit the pool drinking moment where you're just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go drink all day because I have to, it's better than going back to sleep and starting over. Which again, in the context of the pandemic, like I always joke, I had three different bodies during the pandemic. Like I was really fit for a while. I ate a pint of ice cream for breakfast every morning for three weeks for a while. Like (laughs) you, you go, I mean, you have time to be everything at that point. So it is very like, uh, again, recent history will give us all some familiarity with this concept. The one thing for me is calories don't matter in the time loop. And so I'm doing every day I am flying to a new city and doing food tours. Oh yeah. That's what I'm doing. We're, we're going to New York. We're going to Boston. We're going to the South. We're, we're going everywhere. We're getting international. If we can stay awake, like we're just, we're (laughs) eating our way through the world. So that's, that's the plan. Also, I'm, I love Disney World. I'm going to Disney all the time. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting in an expensive room, going all the time. It's going to be great. Because I was going to say, here's the other question is, say you wake up every day at like Disney World or Disneyland. Like now the same question comes in, like how many times do you go? Is that like the wedding? <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to yeah. think of like, what is the worst place that you could, I mean, outside of like prison or something <laughs> like where you're... <laughs> What's the worst, you know, like, what is the worst situation where you said, because again, I think a wedding, this is why I love that they chose this because it's just messy enough that it could be emotionally draining to do it every day and like go through the same, like, you know, you hear them complaining about her parents complaining about her, like the drama with the different, whatever his girlfriend cheating on him, like all this stuff. Like, like I get that, but it's also like weddings are fun. And so if you just want to drink by the pool and go to the wedding and have like cake and like whatever, like that's not a bad thing. What, what is the worst? What is, I mean, hmm. the worst place to get stuck in all of this, probably like 
you're on a work trip and it's in like a bad city. Yeah. Like a like a bummer ass city. I'm not going to I'm not going to drag any cities through the mud, but you're just kind of in a city with a bad airport. (laughs) Starkville, Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like surrounded by cowbells. You wake up. (laughs) The worst. We went from wrapping up rom-com month with that to me, Mike and Caroline linking up a few weeks later and doing what I believe was the first of our run of kind of like 90s trash action movies. Uh, this is me, Mike, and Caroline talking about Con Air, specifically the the drama with the How Do I Live recording on Con Air. Um, okay, the song How Do I Live was nominated for both an Oscar for Best Original Song and a Razzie is Worst Original Song. Side note, fuck the Razzies, an awful organization. They need to go away. But it did not win either award. So that song, not only is like that song in the movie, but it opens and closes with it. Oh, yeah. Which is fucking incredible. Are you guys ready for the best bit of trivia about Yes, been waiting for it. Yeah. So the original artist for the song for the movie was Leanne Rimes. So she recorded a version of How Do I Live? And the studio. So first of all, this is thank goodness for Jason Gallagher of The Ringer. Uh, this this post is fantastic. Just search How Do I Live Con Air. Um, but the studio was like, sir, I think your version lacks the gravitas needed to convey how important this moment is <laughs> where he, where Cameron Poe is meeting sweet Casey Poe. It's just, you know, the reuniting. And so they got Trisha Yearwood to record a version that was more somber and appropriate for the movie. So that already is ridiculous. Then fast forward to the 1998 Grammys in which both versions were up for a Grammy in the same category. And they had Leanne Rimes perform How Do I Live at the Grammy Awards right before it was presented, that award was presented and she lost to Trisha Yearwood's version of How Do I Live? I'm not kidding. There's video. It, Dwight Yoakam is wearing a very shiny turtleneck and he presents this award. It is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like there wasn't even a commercial break. She was still standing in the wings of the stage at the Grammys when they announced the award for Trisha Yearwood. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It's my favorite, favorite thing about and that song. I feel like, can we agree <laughs> as a group the Leanne Rhymes version fucking bangs and the Trisha so apparently, version is fine. Apparently uh, the Leanne version was released more as a pop song, whereas Trisha's hit country stations. Um, and the, the people went with Leanne. She was on the charts for longer and higher and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm fucked up right now. <laughs> Like, we're fresh um, off one of the, like, Hall of Fame award show moments in the Oscars, Will Smith, Chris Rock slap. And this feels close. And I had no idea that it yeah. existed until this Wild. moment. I Just never... because we all know that most of these award shows do not ask you to come in person unless you know you are winning there. And they brought her there to perform and lose to someone else performing the same for the same movie asked by the studio. It's just, it's, (laughs) it just, the fact that it was prompted by them being like, I'm sorry, I just don't think that you're getting what we're trying to convey 
in our movie about convicts going to a supermax prison i just don't think you're hitting it i just don't think that you're really i just love the thought of them like walking into the studio in between takes and they're like no no you don't understand like (laughs) imagine his friend is diabetic on this plane (laughs) imagine you're a former ranger and you heel punch a man in the face and he dies and listen there's this guy johnny 23 and the 23 (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Leanne, John Malkovich is in this movie. Like just, it's also, can I just throw out there, can we bring back the like movie song? Cause that really fell off the face of the earth. Like, how do I, like, how do I live? You had, my heart will go on. You had, um, I don't, what's the uh, Armageddon one? Like, don't I don't want to Yeah, don't miss a thing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, did that, like, the last movie I can remember that being a thing for was Bad Boys 2. Yeah, and I think of, like, you know, I had the little single for Wild Wild West. Wicked, wicked, wow. Which still still goes. Still goes. The thing is, like, Disney is still doing this well, but I guess, like, the most overused take, and, like, something, like, I subscribe to, but it's not not an original thought, is the best song in the Oscars now kind of sucks, because it's usually just songs that are just in, like, the credits. Like, they're not... Yeah. They're not actually featured in the movie, unless it's a Disney movie. Like... Like, Shallow was probably the last one, right? Like, the most recent one that actually... was would any like of a the popular songs, song what about the ones that get used because i feel like james bond movies might be the only other caveat they're the only yeah. other movies that seem to actually include them within the body of the film we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Little change up here with this clip. Uh, pretty soon after the Conair episode, I was fortunate enough to be joined by the great Haley O'Shaughnessy uh, for one of her two appearances on this show this year. Oh, we were talking about She's the Man, which um, really holds up. Is still a really good sports movie. Is a great high school movie. Like one of the best high school movies. Feels like an authentic high school that you might actually really go to. You know, if you could uh, afford a nice boarding school like this. But here is me and Haley talking about the authenticity of she's the man. Yeah, it's I mean it's great work. Um going into the most authentic and least authentic parts of this movie. A ton of high school movies kind of operate on the thinking of not being realistic at all. It's like a, it's a running gag, especially those those 90s movies like it's the common thing of this isn't a real high school. This wouldn't happen. These people look 40 years old. It's it's a common thing. I think this one while, you know, embellishing a lot on the high school experience and this being too, you know, rich private boarding schools, uh, 
you know, a space that not a lot of people have much experience in anyway, there are a lot of authentic themes and, mm-hmm. and things that happen that you're like, yeah, that, that feels realistic. It feels like high school, feels a little like high school sports at some parts. Is there something that stands out for you as the most realistic? The girls team getting cut. <laughs> I mean, you know, if it's a private school that's that huge, hopefully you'd think they'd have the money. But especially back then, yeah, no doubt that feels very realistic to me. Um, what else? This one for me has the most realistic one of the most realistic pieces of, of dialogue or like line reading of all time mm-hmm. in, a, in a high school movie. The quote, how come when I wanted to ask out Eunice, everyone made fun of me, but now Sebastian likes her and suddenly she's cool. Screw you guys. I hate high school. Just, <laughs> yeah. just the most realistic bit of, I mean, the, the concept of someone else's opinion, or if someone picks this person as they are cool, they are not whatever that mattering for a, a smattering of people is as true a an idea and a concept as has ever been in a teen movie. That's so true because um, in high school it was very much were you cool or not was just a, a tag that was it was a designation that was given by other cool people. And as we got out of high school and grew up a little bit, you kind of realize like it act it was kind of based off who was hot, um, and you know the Eunice thing being like a pretty big um they did not make her appear traditionally attractive um and by the way I know that this is weird language like all of those actors were older so I'm just using like the attractive um words because they are they were all over 18 um I'm not trying to be a creep but yeah they dressed her up so she looked like a nerd Um, but then you get older, you get out of high school and you were like, I guess that really had nothing to do with it or not as much to do with it as we thought. So yeah, the like designation of like, because cool person says cool person is cool, then cool person is cool. It was totally realistic. I guess for me, I had trouble with the high school stuff because they lived in dorms and that's unfathomable to me. I mean, I went my graduating class was 50. I went to a really, really, really small school with not a lot of resources. So the idea that they had more than even the movies that to me had the most um, high school experience you could have was kind of too much of a stretch maybe for me to imagine it. But a lot of the longing really was dead on like you were saying but also like they were in the science class and something accidentally blew up and the the very real level of embarrassment that some of them had yeah they did a good job portraying like teen angst yeah i mean and who amongst among us hasn't been to a carnival where a full-scale brawl is broken out just (laughs) yeah that was funny the kissing booth thing is a relic because oh that's like can you imagine People 50 years from now are going to be like a kissing booth. And that's not even like pandemic related. People just don't do that anymore. That's so funny. It's I mean, it's disgusting, especially you factor in this movie. You're assuming there's kind of a wonder of like how old Viola and Sebastian are. You would think they're at least 18 because Sebastian, I feel like you need to be 18 to travel overseas by yourself. But I'm not really sure. But like Viola is a schoolgirl, and there is an old man waiting in the line for that kissing booth that is a tough tough look yeah that is a tough look um I didn't even think about that and you're right that um I often forget that they're twins in the movie and they're twins in the Shakespeare play as well um and that Sebastian is off to sea um and this one like goes off to London which is way different but 
I guess in some ways kind of the same. Um, but that does not feel like something you could do. Like, where would you get the money? So that's very unrealistic. I would say that um, among that and the kissing booth, I'd probably prefer that that stay in, though. The kissing yeah. booth was bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, it, like, the kissing booth, great plot device for this movie. Get A lot happens because of it. Horrible, just in real life execution. Just not something that should ever happen again. Yeah, and plus she's got a jealous boyfriend, so that doesn't yeah. quite add up either. Yeah, with the the pop collar. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 purple it's pop so collar. Bad. And he's also got like this. The hair is so spiked. I mean, he hits all the 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 shit bag high school boyfriend landmarks, like everyone to a T. He's yeah. he's blatantly sexist. He, he dresses terrible. His hair looks bad. Um, he cries at sporting events in a bad way like he, he stinks yeah he does he stinks <laughs> let's go from that right back into just great great 90s action uh we had ryan nanny join me and caroline to talk about speed and this was the origination of what is now a staple category in this show uh best time worst time and this, this is us talking about just who had the worst day on that bus and speed I wanted to ask you guys before we really get into it, who has the worst day in speed? We're talking about the day of the day of the bus bombing. Who has the who has the absolute worst day? Because like Dennis Hopper has a sneaky great day. Like until literally until the money explodes on him, he's having a great time. Sure. Like he's been <clears throat> waiting for this forever. So like he actually has he doesn't have the worst day. Like, yes, he gets decapitated by, you know, the sign. So can I can I request that we eliminate anybody from this uh, competition who dies i think if you died you had the worst day so let's oh, take I was like, those... yeah helen helen had a rough Hel- day. Helen harry had a, has helen a very had... bad day yeah, harry has a um tough day. so let's take them off the board and, <laughs> okay and, and look at the remainder i'm leaning i'm leaning towards if we're going i, I feel like keanu's the easy route in the sense that because what kyle and i talked about briefly before you jumped on right he was massively hungover <laughs> Yes, yes, <laughs> and, the movie, and the movie goes to great lengths to let you know not just Keanu, but all the cops are super all hungover. Cops. All the cops are mm-hmm. so hungover, mm-hmm. and that to me, like for me, and that's almost no brainer for me picking Keanu. So I'm going to take him out of the equation for myself and say probably Sam, the bus driver. I was Sam, the bus driver is one of. I mean, literally slug catching to the, slug to the shoulder. <laughs> Guy who shot Sam the bus driver. I don't think so. Like, he's got a warrant for something. Had to be pretty serious if you're sure. gonna pull a gun on a cop. Yeah. Um, so he spends the whole day cuffed to a bus that might explode. So that that that's that a pretty tough day. In, in general, yeah. like that stinks. And he's also like, if we live, I'm going to jail for 30 years. So yeah. he's having all time i i think besides sam it might be him and it might it might even be him because sam like gets off the bus midway through we gotta assume like sure he gets off the bus first yeah yeah so Um, this is an early contender and it's not him but he he i know it's a bad day for him the guy whose car keanu hijacks oh tune man yes (laughs) he gets just that's Clear, bullshit. Clearly, I hope cares he got about his insurance. Yeah, I hope he got his insurance check. I mean, it took a while, at the very least. Oh, it wasn't <laughs> wasn't a quick process. You know, because this oh. is this is before the helicopters have shown up. So he's not like, see, there's the news footage of what happened. 
I'm sure all the passengers on the bus are like, I, this was, I don't know. We didn't know what was going on. I don't know. Yeah. This happened. I don't, was there, was there? And like Keanu, he's not going to, what, is he calling Geico back? No. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as someone who used to work in insurance, when there is a mass claim event, like a hurricane, if you're not early in line in that, if you're, if you're not first on the phone with your insurance care, it's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. He's not the only one filing a claim. No, that no. That bus hits no. everyone. And guess, and guess what? He can't make that call early. Why? Because Keanu took his car phone. That's right. He Did can't even shout out. call Geico. <laughs> shout out to Tuneman, by the way, because that thing was clearly well-charged. He is a responsible oh, yeah. yes. car and phone owner in well, the here's, 90s. Here's the other thing. This is when you couldn't do anything else with a, with a phone. You, like... You, you couldn't even play snake with that phone. Yeah. That's how old no. that shit is. No. Dude, and man. Poor he guy. He had the top down too, which meant he was in a good mood mm-hmm. thinking he was going to have a really good day. Correct. Correct. I just, I also don't think the door removal was necessary. That move, I don't think, I think he could have really accomplished most of the things that he wanted to accomplish without driving forward, opening the door and slamming on the brakes in LA traffic to rip the door. I think you want to (laughs) remove any possible variable, like any hindrance that could potentially interrupt you getting on that bus. Like it's a better safe than sorry situation. Plus also, Caroline, if you have the opportunity to (laughs) tear the door off someone else's car without consequence, you're doing it. Don't lie. Okay, fine. That's I like too that the LA traffic like filled in quickly behind mm-hmm. them again. Like, oh yeah, people. That almost like, created a big situation. Yeah, again people were like, "God damn like, it!" There's another fucking door on the 405. <laughs> this asshole slamming on his brakes again in the middle of the day. Is that a door? You know who Just seemed to actually have a good day, like seemed to be enjoying things, is Lieutenant Mac. Because there are multiple oh, times oh, where he's like, oh, "That's my boy Jack," and so... it's like he's enjoying it, like it's a game of capture the flag. So, so I think he actually has a bad day, but he is the most supportive boss I think you will find in cinema because everything is going wrong. Like the map is wrong. They accidentally get this, like, they get this poor woman killed trying to get her off the bus when they shouldn't. Rip Helen. Like, they they have this cockamamie plan to put Jack under the bus and the thing immediately fucking, like, they're having a bad day where nothing works. But he's still, like, positive attitude all the time. Yeah. Like, what can we do for you, Jack? I love Joe Morton, by the way, too. Like, he's just a delight like he's I, really good in this wonderful yes. casting like he's just i i would like to work for him yeah that's a good yeah yeah he's, may not agree with all the harebrained schemes but i know that i've got the support that's right yeah he's got he's, my back he's willing to try things he's yeah. he's not he's not playing he's not playing it by the book you know what he threw the book away no bad ideas when there's a bomb on a bus <laughs> No bad ideas. <laughs> Guys, we're what just brainstorming it? here. Yeah. Okay? yeah what yeah. is the Ted Lasso line where he's like, I'm sorry, you're right. I shouldn't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. <laughs> That's Mac. He's like, come on. I want to hear him. I want to hear him. When the bombs on the bus were writing down anything. Yes, that's right. That's right. Pivot to video. Cool. Let's talk about it.
This one is another getting the band back together moment, but this is a different band. Uh, this is me and my buddies, J.R. Hickey and Pete Hart. Uh, if you're a way back, me and Pete did the Dadgum podcast years ago for Grand X. Uh, J.R., longtime friend, the first ever guest of this show, uh, does a great job with Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. I was just on the season six finale episode of that, which came out. I think like last week, week of recording this, so go check that out. But here's us. We're talking about Kingpin, uh, probably the greatest bowling movie of all time. Um, maybe Big Lebowski, but it's not not a debate for this show. But uh, we're talking about Kingpin as a, a great movie for needle drops. Bowling is like sneaky, might be the best sport to put on screen. Like when you think about it, it's the most repeatable, mm-hmm. like most easy to make it look like the person is very good. It's really satisfying to just see pins knocked down in a montage. Like that's a whole lot of fun. Like bowling is so so easy to put on screen that they had weird farmers and old women that they're bowling against and stuff like that, and it it all works. And like the sounds are really good. I bowling's a good like ASMR sport. Mm-hmm. It's like that and like the sounds of hockey. Like sneaky sneaky great versus like you're putting you know you're putting baseball on screen and you've seen some absolute like travesties when it comes to putting baseball on screen. So. So that worked. Pete, what'd you think about the soundtrack in this one? The Fairley brothers to their credit. And a lot of this is, you know, the zeitgeist of the times, uh, but it's fantastic. I mean, they've always had a good, they've always had a good ear for, uh, you know, pop, very current pop music. Um, none of it ages well, <laughs> generally speaking, but as from, from all of their soundtracks and all the music that they featured, this one might actually be the best one. Um, Goldfinger, Superman by Goldfinger. I want to say that was like a that, that like the most popular song in Tony Hawk. Uh, yeah, like I was going to say it goes later. this, and then it goes Tony Hawk. Like, what a run for Superman by Goldfinger. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, of course, I I feel like the Blues Traveler probably was not very popular in the Corn and Limp Biscuit days, but then. <laughs> Outside of that, I mean, they're timeless. I still listen to Blues Traveler. Oh, yeah. The hook brings you back. <laughs> it's got like the I want candy during the second montage. Yeah. It's a good, good little, nice little touch there. What a montage. Um, save it for later during the Amish working scene. Big, big fan of that one. Uh, yeah, you're you're right on that. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. That's something that worked. We get multiple montages. Like the, the good, good job with montage. The the one you're specifically referring to is when Vanessa Angel is just like, just rocking it in a really nice way. Um, I mean, Vanessa Angel worked about this movie. Man, like, she did. Entourage legend, Vanessa Angel. I've heard, I've heard of this. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> rumor has it she's in a season three episode where the dies go to Comic Con and she's in love with Johnny Drama. But I don't know. I don't watch Entourage that closely. We've stuck Vanessa Angel with some bums between uh, Johnny Drama and, and Woody Harrelson in this movie. Like she, Vanessa Angel deserved a little bit better. One-handed balding Woody Harrelson. Can we talk? I looked up, sorry. Go ahead. I looked up her IMDb, and I recognized absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, she was on Weird was, Science for five years. That's where she made all of her money. Okay. Uh, I I saw a tweet today that was really great and very prescient. It was. Uh, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it up or anything. It it said, if you're wondering what an actor that you haven't seen in a long time has been up to, they've been on a CBS show for 12 years. <laughs> and and then I went and looked at her IMDb and I'm like, you're 
holy shit, she's in one of the CSIs, I guess, or something like that. I don't know. It's so un, it's so forgettable that I don't know what she's been doing. Apparently she's been an entourage, which I mean, I guess I, I think I've seen that episode. I'm not being facetious like John is, but uh, I have to, I think, I guess. The more accurate place to look up what Vanessa Angel's been doing isn't IMDb, but Instagram.com because she is still throwing up heaters on Instagram. I think she's 60 years old. It is uh, quite the sight to behold. Good for her. That is, that is great news. That's 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 a real treat for everyone out there. Uh, give give that keeps on giving. She's pretty much doing the opposite of Randy Quaid, who is, I mean, also throwing up heaters, just of a different kind. So um, here's another thing that worked for me real fast. I love a good comedic fight scene. I'm like, oh, <laughs> are you talking about Harrelson and Vanessa Angel going at it? Yeah, just whipping each other's asses in the parking lot. Uh, it, I, it, it's there's because it, it devolves into just ridiculousness and not just like doing suplexes onto a car hood or anything <laughs> like that but repeated like punching of vanessa angel's boob like <laughs> prop boob uh they they really just kind of they're like we need to we need to fill 30 to 45 <laughs> seconds here let's just do some dumb shit and i like fake dumb fight scenes always crack me up and that was a good yeah. one it's a really with that that song playing and then yeah. right leading into that is when when it's the the big gigantic cloud of shit i think i smell it <laughs> which, always, <laughs> which always that that's the thing like this one has so many like one-off jokes that yep. just always always make me laugh like it, you t- you kind of talked about John when we were texting about it. Like the first thirty minutes is slow, which like it is until Vanessa Angel really shows up and they mm-hmm. get on the road. But like there are so many random things, and this is where the Fairley brothers are really good at just throwing in random things. Like the first scene in the movie when Young Roy is running to see his dad and he <laughs> hops the fence and just busts his ass completely. <laughs> like that gets me. Uh, and then when Harrelson steals the baby's milk for his coffee. <laughs> It's just like unquestioned, incredible scumbag movie. The penultimate clip here on this episode. Uh, if you've been a day one listener, you know that this show used to have a different name. It was called Trouble with the Script, which is a really bad podcast name. Uh, seems like it'd be a song, uh, a podcast about bad screenwriting, but uh, it was more dedicated to Trouble with Curve, uh, one of the just the worst sports movie of all time. And it was one that uh, I redid. We, we brought back out of the archives, redid it with my original guest, Keith law had another friend on uh, Chris Crawford. Um, we, we just tore it up. So here's us just talking about some of the worst parts of trouble with the curve, just the worst baseball movie. And he implies that if they get the first overall pick, right, <laughs> that's his shot to the booth. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, Aaron Goldsmith <laughs> has told me many times that the reason why he got his job is because he was scouting. No, I, I, this is just absolute drivel nonsense crap. I, yeah. What, what this movie made me so angry. And angry. we haven't even talked yeah. about the reason that it made me the angriest. The Matthew <laughs> Lillard character is one of the most one note annoying pieces of shit that I have seen <laughs> in a movie. And That's it's solid. not Matthew Lillard's fault. I can tell you that who, much who right now. Who is a joy. I can I, name like five things I he love He is Matthew so Lillard. good in The Descendants especially in just a short little piece of time in that movie. He is so good in that film. And he's, he's carried a few other, you know, he's been in some real dog crap too, as most actors at that time frame are. He's a young actor who took some roles that uh, he probably looks back on and says, 
it paid for the Malibu house, but that's the thing. He had, like, he had to work. I don't yeah, think he absolutely. ever had that reach that point where it's like, I can pick and that's choose a great what point. I need to do. It's like, I gotta take roles. A hundred thousand percent. But this character, whether it was intended to just be the most anti-analytic thing in baseball or not, is so lazy and so yeah. one note. The line at the end where he says something about how much money it costs to bring those parents over and stuff like that. Like no character would be that fucking dumb to say. (laughs) No character would ever be that dumb. This is supposed to be some um, analytical genius that says something as stupid. I know that analytical people are not necessarily uh, always the greatest in rooms, but nobody would be that dumb. Something in his brain would have calculated. You do not say something this stupid. It is the laziest one note piece of shit. Yeah. I've ever seen. And I, I, Matthew Lillard get every bag possible for ju- having to put up with stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. it's, Man. That, that I, I would say that that is probably, that's your strikeout. The worst part about the movie, the Lillard character. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. 100% the Lillard character. And there's a lot of choices here. Bo Gentry is like a horrifically written character. Oh, awesome. Do we want to talk about, do we want to have the Gentry conversation? Just yeah, everything. We have to have the Gentry. Oh, it's such a lost opportunity, right? This movie yeah, is gentrification much, is what we much have. more. Oh, God. <laughs> the movie is much more interesting if that character is a real person, right? If that's actually a three-dimensional character. A billion percent. It salvages the movie, but they're not interested in it. There's the, this movie has no. zero curiosity about anything other than preaching to us that old white men are good. That's basically <laughs> it. And math is scary and young people are scary and change is bad. That's it. There's <laughs> zero curiosity anywhere about really even the main characters, but particularly Bo Gentry could have been a core character. But yeah, absolutely. instead he is a prop. Anyone could have played it, played that character. I mean, clearly they picked someone who doesn't look at all like the description and he's barely there. And he's there. He's Chris, you said it earlier. It's one note. It's one note and it's, it's a wrong note. 100%. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It is. It is like when your uh, daughter uh, gets a clarinet for the first time, like that type <laughs> of thing where you're just hearing the same one note over and over and over again. And it's just bludging yeah. you. And that exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. It's it is the opposite of Lisa Simpson playing her saxophone, man. It is it's but the yeah, like you said, it could have been really interesting. Yes. And here's <laughs> the thing, too, when there's no other character, and I know they introduce way down the line, you introduce the left-handed pitcher. That can be the the other option. When there's no other person to be selected for this thing, it's not interesting. It's basically, if they don't select Bo Gentry, who the fuck are the Braves picking? We have no rooting interest here other than knowing that they're not. We don't even true. hear about the guy the Red Sox take with the first pick. Right. I don't get it. Yeah. And with Gentry, too, they it's, it's wild that they never have a conversation between he and Clint Eastwood. And they even establish in the movie that when, when Eastwood's character was scouting Timberlake, I'm not even going to not going to use their character names. No, no, no. I don't remember any of them. 
Exactly. With scouting Timberlake, <laughs> that they spend a lot of time together and they developed a relationship because yes. that's that's what that scout is there. That scout has to learn the That's kid. what actual area scouts do. And we don't get one conversation between there's not a scene where Gus shows up at at Gentry's house to talk to him and his dickhead selling autographs. Down. <laughs> like he doesn't get he doesn't get any yes. read. So there's there's the obvious Oh my God. It's it's crazy. There's there's the obvious like he doesn't look like a ball player. His swing is terrible. None of any time he swings, like there's the, he hits like the ball that off the bat, you can tell it's going to be the pop-up to second base and it goes a mile out in left. Field. Like there's, <laughs> there's that stuff with how clearly untalented the guy is, but then it's, it's the lack, it's the, the lack of character development. Cause they could have, you know what they could have done is they could have just replaced, they could have, they had Scott Eastwood there who at least like looks the part. Scott Eastwood looks athletic. He looks he looks like he could feasibly yeah. be a five-tool player. He's good-looking. He's tall. He could probably run. He, he can't swing. We see that. But they, they could have done that, but they they so underdeveloped the character that, it, it again, it like you guys said, it literally did not matter. And, Chris, I want to run this by you. You know who was 24 years old, has played a baseball player before, and a pretty athletic guy and, and could have been this guy is Glenn Powell at that time, was 24 years oh old. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yes. Or, you know – like would Tyler Hoechlin would have been able to do that was something my like pick. this? He, he was he would have been great. Well, yeah. I have a scout friend. I've told probably both of you guys this story, but I a good friend of mine, a longtime scout, saw Tyler in college and said he was pretty good. Like probably yeah. not really a pro prospect, but a very good college player. Probably could have played a year or two in the minors, like as an org guy. But that's sure. It. Obviously, Tyler had other things, but he's he's made comments in interviews too. He's really just a ball player inside. Yeah, um, which I think is awesome and like. Yeah, there are guys like that out there. They're available. And you didn't even try. You didn't try to mm -hmm. find someone who looked like a ball player, especially look like an athlete. Really, they have to look like an athlete first and sure. foremost. And then second is, in this case, somebody who could just swing a bat convincingly. Yeah, 100%. A lot, of people who, a lot of people who never played past high school could at least swing a bat convincingly enough for – he barely does it in the movie. Yeah, no. it's, it's it's not to physically shame him either. But no, it, the body type is obvious that it, this isn't this right. isn't your this isn't the second overall pick. All right, we're gonna finish up with an episode that is one of my favorites, uh, one that a couple patrons requested. Uh, this was recorded the day after I saw Top Gun Maverick. Caroline had already seen it a few weeks previous, but uh, this is us specifically Caroline talking about what made this movie so authentic. Um, and as you know, that that episode was about a two hour love fest of, of why Top Gun Maverick might have just been the best movie of the year. Here's me and Caroline talking about Top Gun Maverick. And uh, again, thank you to everyone for listening to Big Screen Sports this year. Uh, we will fade out at the end of this clip and see you next year. Okay, So most authentic, least authentic. I think just the, the thing with this is Cruz wanted to put in the effort to make this, make the flying in this as authentic as possible. I mean, they, they actually, they actually flew all this stuff. Like they, they really, really went for it. I mean, I would say like as someone who was not a naval aviator, I, on the base level, like just with the prior knowledge, like all the flying, because there is very little CGI in this movie. It, and it, like it makes so much of a difference, especially now because of how CGI'd everything. It makes such a huge difference. It's such a different experience. Knowing, knowing it after talking like how like that it was all seeing it a second time. I guess is the best way to put it. And making that effort to really look at the details of all these things. It is so. 
it's almost unbelievable that they were able to pull off what they pulled off. And so that's for sure, like the most authentic. And I actually say like, they did an outstanding, I wasn't as like critical, like super looking into, um, but the uniforms look legit. The uh, later in the movie when they're both on the ground in foreign country that they never named, <laughs> uh, they don't have their patches on. That's super authentic. Like you don't wear those if you're going into like combat zones, like because um, you don't want to have anything on you that can you know say who you are, what squadron you're with, like things they can use to interrogate you over, like whatever. Um, all of the I don't know if that falls into like most blue or least blue, but like it just, all of the Navy stuff I'm in, man. And, and that's, it's, that's one of the things that's so easy to mess up the, if you want to get into like believable or authentic around, like it, would he really still be flying or would they be able to get the F-14 off the ground in that short amount of space on a taxi? That's what like, I, we, that's what I had for least authentic is just the entire thing with the F-14. Like, no, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Well, like they, so here's the other thing though. It's like, realistically um out like that was like the united states probably is like the best and most trained pilots and usually the best stuff and so the like most realistically other countries will have older like airframes and so like having an f-14 is actually not that wild having it fully fuel well you know, it all depends too on like what you want to believe or not believe about they set you up and I didn't realize it the first time, like seeing it the first time, so seeing it the second time, like they do set up that like, and it all else, you know, they, they also like to keep these old relics around, you know, like John Hamm ribbon mm-hmm. um, Maverick a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, look, they, they mentioned that they're relics. destroying the airfield because so is it, they make it seem as those things are ready to take off to defend right. this. They, they, they're like kept that ready. Part, so they like, do kind of set that up. I'm more like, is least authentic. Like there's going to be no one around and be like, who are these fucking guys? <laughs> I think <laughs> like, they, they're like, they're taking advantage of the chaos. Like it, but- it literally reminds me of when in, in, uh, in was force awakens when ray and finn get grab the millennium falcon it's like they're just like walking around like ah, it's a ship we're gonna grab yeah, it like let's get out of here let's unlock let's hop in yeah or uh or another yeah. another bruckheimer when um in pirates when uh in the the first pirates curse of the black pearl when um when depp and bloom go under the ocean to steal the the one ship that's a great movie by the way that's a great movie theater experience of mine is the first part the first pirates is a great movie that that movie now has a very complicated legacy 20 years later but that movie yeah. is, that movie books oh, yeah and i'm pretty sure the anniversary is next year because i think it came out in 2003 so yes <laughs> write that one down put it on the whiteboard <laughs> yeah no, no that's so. that's a, um yeah i mean as far as realism like the movie felt that's that's what i thought they could have gone a, gone a whole different direction with this and gone even because we had 30 years of this being memed and this being considered like cheesy and kind of out there they could have said we're going way bigger and they kept it very grounded they did incredible like incredible action pieces it's not as though the the film itself is not loud and exciting and but in terms of how far fetched they got and like they kept it very simple very grounded had explanations for most everything yeah like i mean i i can't say enough what an accomplishment it is to not 
not let the sequel get away from you. Yeah. And I, the other part that I absolutely loved for its authenticity was Tom Cruise having zero idea how to handle a boat. Um, and that whole interaction where she's like, you're in the Navy. And he's like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not on ships. He was like, I don't drive boats. Like I land on them. Like that is the, so that's the longest time. Like, you know, how many times I've talked about how bad I was at the swimming stuff. Um, everyone's like, how are you so bad at swimming? You're in the Navy. I was like, I should never be in the water. Like, this is what you don't understand. Like I should never be in the water. I mean, something terrible has happened. It's so not swim team. Yeah. It was just one of those moments where I was like, love that. <laughs> that's realistic um yeah i just could not get over it and from what i've understood from like talking to um glenn powell and monica barbro through interviews she he said like both of them want people to like this movie but the stamp of approval that they wanted the most was naval aviators and they got that and like i think that says a lot about the authenticity of the movie like because mm-hmm. if you take something that we love dearly because we were like of course you're gonna love it you're like a naval aviator but if you take something that we love dearly and like consider to be like a huge part of who we are, as cheesy as that sounds, like there's a whole line about that in the movie too, where it's like, it's not what I like, what I am, like being a fighter pilot, it's not what I am, it's who I am. Um, like if you mess that up, like we're going to be the first ones that call you on it and get mad about it and hate it even more. Like that's like, you know, it's kind of how we look at things. And so I think they did such a great job with the authenticity piece of it. I don't have a ton of complaints about like least authentic. I think there's some things you have to suspend disbelief. Um, like the F-14 that you talked last week when we were talking about the original in that, in like the behavior and stuff. And you said it, it's been so it, during your time, it was so imitated that it's like, yeah, that's how people behave, but it, yeah. is it like a chicken or the egg thing? Yeah. Um, with this one, did you feel, cause like, when I, I think about a movie like Everybody Wants Some, which is a great movie, I don't know if I've told you about it, <laughs> star, starring Glenn Powell, is that how the the characters in that movie interact really feels like a real baseball team, and they, they've nailed that that kind of um, you know those kind of relationships. And this one did did it have that same feeling to you of like these people seem like people I served with? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's it's similar to the original top gun where it's like they're not all going to be it's not going to be your same wardroom because you're not technically all same team same fight when you're like at top gun like right you're competing against each other and this is a very like high charged high level competitive atmosphere where they all want to get selected for this mission but you can see the pockets of like you know you know the coyote and uh, hangman, like their relationship where they're kind of the instigators, kind of the troublemakers, the cockier, like, and then you've got, you know, fam, fanboys, probably my favorite, like not, I don't know. Not of course, like the house book, my favorite stuff, but, um, I just love Danny Ramirez. And I think he's just so great as fanboy. Um, the way that the relationship between Phoenix and Bob, like as your backseater, like you connect like that kind of thing. And then by the time, like, you know, the, I, yes, to long story short, like I, I 100% buy it. I think that they nailed that camaraderie side of things, especially like after they do the beach football scene, like that they're all more like working together minus Glenn at times, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but working together and doing all this stuff. And then it's also like that carried over to the cast. If that's, if that makes sense, like the stories that they told about 
and this is also where them doing all the survival training together is extraordinarily helpful for what you get on screen because like um danny ramirez told a story about being abandoned <laughs> i think i don't know if i told this last week, but like being abandoned by glenn powell in the helo dunker and it's this hilarious story and like it's the danny and and glenn went in to support tarzan davis who had to do one more run to pass um and it led to this like hilarious interaction but that's how it was for us like if i was struggling with something like one of my buddies had finished and like they didn't want me to ride that thing alone like you never want to ride the helo dunker alone like people will jump in with you for solidarity, even though it's not a fun thing to do. Um, unless you're Glenn, apparently he's like, there's always one person that likes to do some of this shit. And apparently that person is Glenn. For of this course it was Glenn. Show. Of course it was Glenn. I should have asked him about the, um, the pressure chamber, because that is always the one where there's always one person. It's always a guy um, that, so the pressure altitude chamber help simulate, um, because when you get hypoxic or lose that, like you're not getting enough oxygen, um, you react differently. So we would each have different things, maybe a few things that overlapped. We each have different things that our bodies did when we get hypoxic, I get like overheated and like kind of nauseous and it's not fun. Like it's not a fun feeling. Um, some people get more like loopy or like their fingers, fingertips will go numb or whatever it is, but this is to simulate that you understand like how you feel in these situations. And there's always one asshole that just tries to, and the, the thing is when you feel you are showing signs of hypoxia, you put your mask on and you get your oxygen and then you're done. And then you just kind of wait for everyone else to finish. And so you're sitting there waiting in this like enclosed space for some clown to be like, no, I'm still good. And they're like doing a puzzle. You're like, <laughs> come on, dude. Like we know, like you just tried to put the square in the circle. Like you're clearly hypoxic. We can all tell, like no one thinks you're cool for going 16 minutes. Like, ugh. but there's always one that enjoys some of these training things. And like, it just, I think all of that, they had to go through stuff that normal, like, I understand that. Well, I don't know for sure, but like from hearing stories and, you know, understanding human behavior, being on a movie set, like you go through things together, like all this stuff. And some movies are more trying than others. They, they went through seven G's, seven and a half G's. Like they're doing stuff that very few people in their lifetime will be able to do as in like flying the back. I've never been in the back of the F-18. <laughs> like, um, and so I think that just helped build that camaraderie and carried through that made that part of the movie that much better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.